Coming up in our final episode of this season, we have a special interview with recently crowned champion Ivari Vijanto of Sotcom on Yuma. Plus, we have our annual award show. That's all coming up on this episode of Super Pesis Roundup Podcast. <laughs> And welcome to episode 47 of the Super Pessis Roundup podcast. I'm your host, Ian Albert, and joining me, as always, is Mikko Pirhonen, our coach and guru on all things Pesapalo. Mikko, it's the end of the season. It's our final show of the year. How are you doing? It's, it's kind of weird to think that the season is actually over. And uh, it's safe to say that it was one of the best in my lifetime, to be honest, like overall. And uh, and yeah, uh, it's always a sad situation when <laughs> when you realize that, okay, the summer has gone by and the season has ended. But uh, like, this time I feel like it, it actually went quite well. So I'm, I'm happy. Yeah, it was a, it was a great end to the season and some real really memorable clashes in the final. Um I I I can't remember a season when we've had such exciting games in both men's and women's final at the same time. It was it was uh, definitely one to remember. Um but of course we don't have to wait too long for more games because we've got the winter tournament that's uh, starting fairly shortly. Um, still waiting on some details as to how that will all work out. Um, but Mika, do you have a particular favourite moment from the uh, season that's just gone by? Uh, I, I do have a couple, but I don't like when I thought about this, there were only uh, only a couple of ones that actually just uh, like popped up immediately when I was thinking about it. And uh, okay, I I think that it was befitting that the like the season finale in women's superpasses is definitely up there, and uh, the first game of. Uh, men's final series was one of those that like it raised my eyebrows that okay we are at this stage and now you guys can <laughs> take care of business in Vimpeli like that was that was good and uh, yeah memorable in in a good way that I think for example you may you sit getting the better of Tarko, that was something that I have not heard in in a couple of years, that there was actually some, like, (laughs) some kind of an atmosphere in Sanayoki in men's games, 
and uh, and then at the other end of the spectrum was uh, it was memorable to like having experienced the whole quarter century of Koskan uh, Korva at Superpesis, them getting promoted just a couple of years before we did, and then like now they get relegated. So that's been quite a journey, but it has been like for the past couple of years, to be honest, quite painful to watch. Yeah, I mean, we t- we talked a little bit about Koskan Korva's uh, demise, them dropping down to Urkespecies, and how over the last few years they have been in that decline, not just on the field, but also the the fans not attending and stuff like that. So it's been a long time coming. And what was encouraging, though, was to hear the team say that they weren't going to try and flood money into the club and just you know, try and immediately get back into Super Paces. They were going to try and rebuild this, restructure this and, and start again. And and I like that. I like that idea of, of really just going back to basics and, and uh maybe it's a harder route, maybe it's a longer route, but it's it's a more sustainable thing and, and really that's what uh that's what I'd like to see from uh Koskan Korva. I want to see them back. I want to see them um play well. But it's going to take a lot of time. It's going to take a lot of effort, and maybe some bright young uh, talent coming through uh, from them as well. Uh, obviously, one of the key highlights uh, of the season for me was watching Hamina men's team get promoted. Um, that was uh, an incredible uh, run from from them uh, through the postseason. I also really loved the final day of the regular season in Super Paces where uh, Robo Korhonen uh, pipped <laughs> the challenges for the batting championship. That was uh, that was pretty exciting. Um and yeah, I I think it's been an incredible year and I can't wait to see more games, but of course we've got to wait at least a little bit. And also joining us, he's back after some time away. It's my friend from across the pond. It's Ron Bronson. Ron, how are you doing? Doing great. It's good to be back on the show. Always a pleasure to talk baseball with you too. The good kind of baseball. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm not a fan of the other kind of baseball. Now the Cardinals aren't in the postseason. I've put that one to bed. Same as the Blue Jays. Man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Ron, obviously, uh, during this summer, you spent some time over in Finland and managed to catch some of the games live. I'm incredibly jealous because, of course, I didn't get to come over this year. But, Ron, what were your experiences like? Uh, well, don't 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 feel too bad because uh, the only game I saw was a third division game with our buddy Miko. We got to do our, our semi-annual and the first time we went to a game together, which was cool. And um, and so he took me, we saw Puna Mustat. Uh, and and Jan Sumaila uh, play play a little a little a little uh, third division baseball. Um, all the other games I watched on television, so I didn't actually travel to the games. Um, I was like, I'm gonna live like a Finn. I'm gonna watch the games on TV. So that's what I did. Um, it was great we're on the actual television. It was fantastic. Um, but I didn't commute this time to the games, so that's I had a different experience. But um, it was fun to. Uh, it's always fun to. You know, it was a fun playoff season. I feel like good regular season before the playoffs. And, um, and it's always fun. And frankly, seeing lower division baseball, the quality of me, maybe we go talking in these like 
you see the quality is quite high. And I'm like, it really is. You can tell like there's that threshold where, you know, at that level where you can see kids who are clearly going to be able to make an impact at that higher level. Couldn't even be now as, you know, start as a subs, but eventually we'll be guys who, you know, we'll know some of those names at some point in a year or two. Hey, remember that guy? He was there on the field that day and watched that game because you can see the quality. I mean, there's definitely a drop off, but you could, you could see the quality. And I think that having not other than only watched those games on TV and not very often, um, it was cool to see live how much the, the quality of play is, is quite good. Um, obviously there's lots of mistakes, but you know, that's to be expected, you know, at that level. Yeah, I mean, we we mentioned or we were having a chat about uh, this uh, uh, Pori the other year when we were, uh, both met up at uh, Italansi, and you were talking to me about how you'd really love to go and see one of these lower division uh, games and sort of check out the the kind of uh, difference in skill and and levels of play and things like that. So it's really interesting because I've I've never been. Uh, to see, um, you know, the national series games and things like that. You know, I've I've seen Ukaspesis games, of course, and and uh, Superpesis men's and women's uh, for both of those. But um, I haven't I haven't gone as far as to seeing, uh, and I'd love to see some of the more kind of um, amateur games, kind of um, like uh, Roy Hunster, uh, sort of the real kind of hobby kind of stuff as well. I'd love to see some of that, the real grassroots um, as well. So, Ron, it sounds like you had a blast over in Finland this year. On our next trip, we'll, we'll go. We'll go to Royal or somewhere that needs a sub for the day, and you and I will sit <laughs> up finally and we'll make our, our, our day's VR debuts. Yeah, so yeah. Always ask, they ask you, because they always ask me, do you play? And I said, no, I'm a fan of it. No, I don't play. Do you play in the NFL? No, I just, I like the sport. I watch it. But we can finally make our debuts and we'll get our, we'll get, you know, we'll get all kitted up. It'll be great. So that's what we'll do the next time we're together. We're, we will be ready. We'll be so ready. We're going to yeah, do it. It'll yeah. be great. Well, I've, uh, I've got my uh, rapula, my, my glove, my ball ready. So I'm, I'm ready anytime. <laughs> I, I, I got my spike shoes ready for you guys, you know? It's like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Moving on to some items in the news, um, I saw the other day that there's going to be some new websites for uh, the Pespalolito and Superpesis as well. We're going to get to see those um, in spring next year, perhaps just before the season starts. I've been looking at these web pages for a good number of years, Miko. Is it time for an overhaul? Is this a welcome change? Well, I really had not thought about that. And uh, to be honest, I'm not an, like a super active user of those pages. But, but yeah, I think it's like I have come to trust uh, if it's like if it's Antihaposalo related. And if he is at the helm, uh, then I think it will be a really good thing. And uh, I don't know if, like, some kind of an like a facelift is, I think, is always necessary. But more importantly, it's about the like getting the information that you need, getting it easily, and uh, it, that has been something that has not always been there. I think it's been better for the last 
say three four years but still it can get better yeah absolutely the i obviously use these websites quite a lot it's a, a key source of information when you live so far away um but the the thing about the pespolito website is that the structure of how the website is and where all the different pages are the menus and things like that it can be really difficult to navigate and it's it's like they've built on pages to other pages and other pages and so on and so forth so it's it it needs to be completely reorganized and and set aside and i'm looking forward to seeing what it'll look like um because it has been that kind of plodding along kind of website for some time uh, the superpaces website I I I would like to see them focus on on other types of information um, as well because a lot of what the website has to offer you can get elsewhere anyway. So I I think there was some suggestions of uh, of new things that they're going to to try and put on there and following games live straight from the the Super Paces website which makes sense to me as opposed to having to go to the statistics website and things like that so i i'm excited to see what these websites will look like i really hope that they get the opportunity to to look as good as as uh, people are suggesting they may do um and like you say uh Andy Harpasalo, who's a friend of the show um he, he if his name's attached to the project you know it's going to be um, an outstanding job. Um, we, I also saw in, in an article recently a suggestion that we might see an end to the uh, the Super Bowl or the extra inning um, in regular season games and just going straight to the scoring contest. And I was having to think about this <laughs> because there are so many games that I recall, not just from this season, but from other seasons that have been decided in that extra inning. And I just wonder whether the the scoring contest is a fair uh, kind of comparator, whether the extra inning itself is a fair comparator for the two teams. Um, should we go back to um, to there being draws if if there was no scoring contest? Um, if you had a, an extra inning and no scoring contest, then they were still scoreless at the end of that i don't know you know there's there's all these kind of possibilities that that opened up in my mind and as you know i love to explore these kind of possibilities and and the thoughts but michael the super war or disappearing oh if if that does happen do you think it's a, a a good thing and if if you do or don't what do you think about the kind of uh, strategies that teams will, will try and play do you think we'll see a shift in how the game is played going into uh, a scoring contest straight from the two okay i think that there's like at least three separate like separate aspects so there's that, a lot there so. yeah, yeah, yeah but uh, i will try to like keep it short uh first of all i think it's uh, part of the entertainment business and uh, they want to shorten the games a bit. Like the, the maximum would be around two and a half hours. And the average would go closer to two hours. And that's like, okay, if you want it that way, uh, 
And, and I really want to stress this. This only has to be during the regular season. Like no playoffs. No playoffs. I, I've been, I've been telling, I mean, I'm going, like, I will die on that hill that, uh, I think that in playoffs, we should not have the scoring contest at all. I mean, I, I we would, we should play the actual game until somebody gets the run, deciding run, not play like a scoring contest. So it's like, uh, but if you want to do a regular season like that, and they will, well, all fair. I uh, do it your way. It's entertainment anyway. And uh, the way that the teams will approach, I have always kind of questioned the thing that that when scoring, con- just before the scoring contest, the game manager comes up and tells who is batting and who is running. And I'm like, did you not go through this? Like, you know, beforehand, because I'm not, I have not won a single championship as a game manager, but I did tell them like one day beforehand that should we go into a scoring contest? And if, if nothing like extraordinary happens, <laughs> during the game these are the five pairs that we're having and that's a, that's it but but yeah uh, I don't think that like my first reaction was uh, I don't like it then I thought that I'm like I don't give a damn it's like if you want it that way then have it that way yeah. I mean, we've seen some radical changes to the game over the years. This is less radical than some of the ones that we've seen moving from a nine-inning game to the two yaks, or, um the Joker system, you know, all of these kind of things. Um, it, it's a game that constantly is changing and evolving and adapting um, to try and, like you say, be, be entertaining, but also be competitive as well. Yeah, and um, to, sorry to I, interrupt, but we don't have to ask anybody for permission. We don't have like an international. <laughs> like, uh, if we do it in Finland, that's a good point. and that goes like, if it goes all tits up, when then we're just going back. Like we don't have have to yeah. ask anybody from like from the international federation for the per, uh, like permission to do this. Yeah. No, that's a very, very good point, because I always um, contrast changes in Bessapala with changes in baseball, which are, are very slow. I mean, we, we've seen in the last couple of years in Major League Baseball uh, a few radical changes for for the MLB, but they're still small steps if you compare what changes happen in Bessapala. So... Getting rid of the extra inning, it, yeah, it'd be be interesting. But I I do worry, and like you say, it, when you, when you're talking playoffs, I I don't want to see them end with scoring contests. I want to see, like you say, play until somebody wins, or at least if if you don't get a win after I don't know a few extra innings, call it as a tie, and give each other each team half a 
half a win effectively you know like in chess when you when you get a draw um it's like 0.5 is half a half a win um or even replay it you know add another game and replay i mean it's like <laughs> I, 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 more playoff games yeah, Mika, the, more playoff games more more fans <clears> in the stand i have like i have come to the conclusion like 25 years ago that uh, basically after North America we are like or even after USA Finland is probably the second most US country when it comes to sports that like a draw is not an option like, that is that is <laughs> off the table <laughs> to begin with that we we need a winner that's why like that's why we created the system, and I actually love it. Yeah. Well, moving on then from from that kind of perspective aspect of news to something that I, I did see uh, fairly recently, and that's that uh, Kempelo women's team, who were relegated at the end of this uh, season from uh, Super Paises to Urkos Paises, have uh, announced that they're giving up their spot in Urkos Paises. Now, Mika, we were just talking before we started the show about this and and what it means. Um, are you surprised? I mean, I know we've talked about how challenging this season has been for Campele women's team and, and how they struggled at times to kind of draw a team together from the players that they had at their disposal. But what do you make of this news? Well, I... I think that this news makes a lot of sense. I just had like a minute to think about it, think about it, but I think it makes all the sense in the world because these players are from the all region anyway, and they have like a thing that is going up in, in all Lipo or Lipotare, and uh, they, they will be like building it up from scratches like uh, in in Kempele and uh, like the coexistence of men's and women's superposis teams there, uh, it felt like uh, the women's team was sorry to say this, but they were kind of limping, like just over the line year after year, uh, like. Basically, after that one year when they won against Kiretaret in quarterfinals, they have always had amazing young talent and will all will remain to have like they will have that in the future as well in in the older region. But but yeah, I think it's better to start that way and then see what comes out of it. And now the focus will be in men's super for sure. Well, after the season that the men have had, um, it, it's been incredible, but it is sad to see uh, Kempele women's team um, drop even out of Urkus Pesis, but they've got an important role to play in the, in the region. There's a lot of young talent hopefully they can bring through. And as you say, you know, all in Lipo pretty much on the doorstep of uh, of Kempele. Um, it's not a big enough region to have two successful women's teams in. Um, there's not a, a huge pool of players 
there and um well that that's that so that's the articles of news i wanted to uh, talk about and of course when we last did our episode we were right in the heart of those finals the men's and women's finals um but of course now we know who our champions are um and to be honest it it wasn't the teams that if i was putting money on it at the beginning of the season that I would have expected. Um, I would have thought Vimpley and Mansa uh, were the teams uh, to to go for in the men's and women's respectively. But Ron, what did you make of the the end of the the finals this year? You know, I love that Pori team. I've loved that Pori team for several years. I love those fans. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a Lapua guy, a lot ride or die as a fan. But when I think of like the landscape of an organization that's really stepped it up over the last couple of years, right? During you know your vascular, you know domination. And then you have Pori speaking and Mansa spends all this money and Pori's over there like, you know, you know, like uh, just 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 really sneaking in, having a really good core of players, having a, straight, a strong leader at the top, you know, player wise. And so for them to get two titles in the last couple of years, it was a real like nobody knew, nobody had them on the list. You're like, OK, well, clearly Mets is going to win or like, you know, clearly, you know, Vasquez meant something to happen. But we didn't really think they were going to win a title this year. But but. It was Mansa or anybody else, but to see Pori do it the way they did, game five on the road, right? Ninth inning, <laughs> like, come on, what? Like that, you can't, folks can't see me at home, but I just made a fist, I can't miss me, just pump my shoulder up, because like, that's what that is. It was really cool to see that, um, and and I love that, you know, going out the end of your career that way. On the men's side, Sakamo in a weird way, like, right, like, on what planet do we consider Sakamo to be an underdog? But like I was telling some people, friends of mine who who don't watch the game or you know passively, I'm like, look, they've been they didn't medal for the last two years, which is like cataclysmic when you think of right like that organization, how successful they've been to not medal. They they were ready. Those boys were ready for this. Imagine being a young player in that organization. Look at that picture developing over the last couple of years. We remember when they put him in the game in the middle of this postseason. And so now to be the guy to lead them to a title, like it's even though obviously I'm losing ended as a fan, I appreciated the story arc of like Sakamo came ready to play. They didn't care about the regular season. Yeah, okay, they beat us. So what? We're here. We're going to show up. And I appreciated how they executed that series. And to get game one in Vimpley like that, I knew it was theirs. I'm like, well, this is a wrap. Just because I knew that their posture was like, guess what? It's a new season. Well, I got to just win three of these. And they did. So Shout out to them for, for getting it done. Um, I, I'm happy for that fan base. You know, they're still, still, they're still the gold standard. Everybody wants to be them. You think Tampere wouldn't trade? You know, Mansa would move the city to Sakamo if they could have those titles, right? Like, they'd do anything they can to have that. And so, um, you can say, as a fan, I wasn't excited about it. It was a bummer. But, but as, a, as, a, as a fan of the sport and appreciating the sport and the artistry and the athleticism and the, the work that goes into a story of a season like that, um, for me, the the finals were really about those kind of small margins, and, and it was the defense that won it for for Sotokomo. They they seemed to to go up just that little extra level um, in the finals, and that really made the difference as I could see it. It was just a, a couple of tiny errors here and there, the wild throw to third base uh, in in game five, those kind of things. It was just enough to to see them through. What was your thoughts, Miko? Well, first of all, 
first and foremost, I think that Apokomolainen summed it up perfectly in his interview after the last final, when he said that they were not necessarily the best team overall in Pesapalo, but they were the best ones in finding uh, a way to win. And that was a <laughs> that is how it is. And for someone to be in his 20s, to be the captain and the pitcher and speak like that just minutes after winning the championship, that's like, yeah, I just mentioned be, <laughs> before the show that that guy is mature well beyond his years. And uh, he was one of the main reasons, even though it was not his best season, even like, I don't think he played that well, to be honest. Like, uh, he was good, but he was not that dominant that he would have wanted to be. But he grew up to be a leader, and that team found a way to win. And then, just, uh, well, Robe had his, like he said himself, he had his Disney season, so to say. That, <laughs> like, nothing could go wrong. That he just went from strength to strength throughout the year. Just a, a couple of thoughts from me on, on the women's final. It was an incredible back and forth throughout those five games. And five uh, game five really sums it up. As Ron, you, you mentioned, it was it was really compelling to watch. And there were just moments where the ball, by the narrowest of margins, is is hitting the right place in the park. It's it's falling exactly where it needs to for those runs to come in. I, I was I I was on the edge of my seat watching that series and game five, as I say, in particular. Um, Miko, do you have anything else to to add to that? Well, just the fact that. If it was up to material, that would have gone like that would have been a clear sweep. But fortunately, the other aspects play a part in this game as well. So that was as much of an like a win in the game management department as I've ever seen. And uh, I'm like I'm basically giving up my manager of the year nominations at this point, but that was like, dudes, like that was a mic, that was like a mic drop from Jarko Pokela. That this is how you just completely dominate the like that part of the equation, you know. And uh, he just took it, and uh, then. At the deciding moment, uh, there was just one hit, <laughs> and that decides the championship. That that was like uh, like a walk off hit to win the championship, and uh, like yeah, it doesn't get any better than that. So that'll do it for now in terms of our wrapping up of the uh, season and the final games. I've got an interview now with um, a very special player from championship winning team Sodcom and Yuma. It's Iwari Vihanto. Joining me now on the podcast is our final special guest of the season. He's recently 
come off winning his first ever men's championship in a season where he managed to throw 161.5 kilometers during a challenge during the Italancy weekend. It is, of course, the demon of the outfield for Sotkomo. It's Ivari Vihanto. Ivari, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. So, first of all, I, I always love to get a bit of a background on, on players, see how they came to uh, the sport. Uh, how did you first become interested in Pesapalo? Uh I think my first touch to Pesapalo was in my current teammate's Alexander Hodaris 50-year birthday party. Uh, he was my neighbor at the time, and uh, the party was a Pesapalo game in their backyard. That's fantastic. Um, I often wonder, trying to get my two uh, boys into playing, they seem interested sometimes, but sometimes not so. Um, do you have any other hobbies outside of Pesapalo? Uh, I, I play occasionally golf uh, uh, in the summer when, I, when I'm able and I have time. Uh, and I, I like to watch different sports and uh, just like a little from everywhere. Now, this season saw um, Sotkomo really challenging against uh, Vimpeli. And during that season, we saw uh, Jare Wikström uh, return to Sotkomo. What difference do you think he made to the team? Uh, well, Jare is an exceptional player and uh, he brought a lot of like uh, stress relief for the offense Uh and uh, our our team felt 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 total, felt more more like uh, confident about the offense when we had more great players. Because when I was looking at the the statistics going through the season, it it, it seemed as though the the offense was struggling at times earlier on. Certainly, in, when you look at Vimpley, which was just crazy throughout the season but after Yere joined there was seemed to be that more relaxed kind of attitude much it runs came easier for you as a team now this year as I mentioned uh, just at the top of the interview saw your first Italancy selection for the men's and obviously you've you've uh, appeared twice for the, the boys as well but in the men's game how did you feel when you were picked for that uh, when it's an honour to be selected, of course, and uh, I was uh, happy, of course, to be selected, even though it was a, a backup selection. So, but but on, honored. Well, you say backup selection, but I'm sure um, that people will want you for next year as well, especially when we saw you during the Italancy weekend, which of course was uh, hosted in Sotkomo. Throw 161.5 kilometers per hour throw as part of those skills competitions. Were you expecting to throw the ball that fast? Uh, not really, not really. I, I knew, I knew I, someday uh, I'll be able to throw that kind of numbers, but uh, not so soon. Yeah, it was incredible. Um, I had to look. Uh, two or three times before it really sunk in how fast that is. How important do you think your throwing skills have been 
to Southcombe was outfield this year? Uh, well, having one well-throwing Koppari is is mandatory to for winning, but having two is a is a great strength, and I I think me and Jussi Korhonen as a pair is the real big thing that separated our from like our outfield from the most most other teams or every other team uh, because you can always not hit uh, the ball to that one great outfielder but when there's two or more it it makes a big big difference and makes more 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 difficult for the opposing team to manage score well um Sotkomo managed to find ways to break down the opponent's offense perhaps better than any other team uh this year uh, and certainly when i uh put together some statistics for defense Sotkomo was streets ahead uh, of everybody else but of course vimply entered this season as the favorites and in fact throughout most of the season it was can anybody stop vimply who's going to do it did you feel any pressure uh, about going up against Vimpley this year? Uh, well, yeah, yeah. Because uh, my my main thing in my head at the game is the outfield thing. So, and I take it very seriously, more even more seriously than the offense. Uh, and Vimpley is the is the best at hitting the ball. That's a fact. And uh, so, there in that sense, there are my biggest enemy in sense <laughs> absolutely there's so many players on that Vimpley lineup who can just score runs from from the most obscure places it it was uh, very difficult for a lot of teams to shut them down completely um what do you think were Sotkomo's strengths going into the finals this year uh we we were the underdogs like big time and uh that was that was perfect for us uh and our our outfield was a phoenix jigsaw puzzle and we and we managed to make Wimbley underperform in the offense that was the main reason we we won mm-hmm. well the you managed their offense very very well and what I found between the two teams was that the real difference came in just these little moments in Vimpoli's defense where there was the odd wild throw here or just they, they missed a beat or a bounce just went the wrong way that Sotkomo on the other side of things managed to stop or prevent. So, um, yeah, as I mentioned before the, the interview actually started, a big congratulations on that uh, uh, that championship win this year it was phenomenal to watch. Yeah, thank you. So, when those finals a- approached, game one, heading to Sarikenta, I mean, it's not an easy place to play. Lots of players love it as a field, but it's a hard place to go, and certainly in the finals with this Vimpoli team. They, uh, Sotkomo hadn't won at Sarikenta since the 12th of July 2020. And because Vimpley had that home field advantage in the finals, how important was it when Sotkomo came home with that victory? Uh, <clears throat> well, to be honest, I 
I think we if we we had lost the game, uh, we wouldn't be champions right now. Because that was that was the that was so very 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 crucial for our victory. And of course, then heading back to Sotkamo, game two, um, very close, but uh, obviously Sotkamo came away with a victory. We then uh, head to game three, back to Sardakenta, and of course, Vimpley edged that one. But it's game four, this final game in the series. Now, Ropokorhonen hits the ball that saw Sotkamo take the lead in the second Yakso, and it's you, you're the runner coming from third to home by a, a very small margin. <laughs> How did it feel crossing the line, giving your team that lead in that crucial Yaxo in game four? Uh, well, just, just pure happiness. And, uh, and uh, telling, I was telling myself in my head, like, now we got it. Now we're going to win. Like, it's nothing they can do now. Well, as I say, I, I watched it back again just that moment um, before this interview, and it was it was incredible. And and if there's anybody listening who hasn't seen it, I I urge you to go back and watch it because it really was a great piece of uh, a great example of the game. So, obviously, that wasn't the end of the game itself, but when that final whistle blew, and you realised that you were champions now for for some of these players they've had those championships before Rob Gorron and of course has got heaps of them but uh, this was your first how did it feel for you to win your first men's championship uh well it felt amazing uh it's like actual dream come true because I actually dreamed of winning it well with that dream come true, and, and of course, it's still such a very, very young age indeed. What are your goals now for the future? Uh, well, my goals are to be one of the best players of my time and uh, to win win more championships. Well, you're off to an incredible start, Ivari, and I wish you all the best of luck for the future. It's been fantastic to see you um, this season. Uh, as part of this Sotkamo team, grow uh, and win the championship. I'm very pleased to have uh, had this opportunity to interview you. So thank you very much. And once again, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Okay, so welcome back. Um, We're now going to take a short break before we move on to our annual awards. Okay, welcome back. So we've finished with the season. We've finished with our final interview of the season as well. It's now time to move on to our awards. So going through as we did last year, starting with our disappointment of the year, um, the nominations we had for this were a Kempele women's team. Really disappointing season from them. Tarko's lack of energy, especially after their great season last year. And then, of course, Tone Kohonen and Mansa's um, mess. I don't know what else to call it. <laughs> um, 
your thoughts, uh, Ron? Um, I think, I think, I don't know. I think I'm pretty glad that the domestic thing, I mean, Tony thing, I think set the tone for their season, but I'm kind of glad that it didn't mar the whole year that we weren't, you were talking about it, but it wasn't something that as afraid was going to dominate the whole year and kind of take away from the game on the field. And it didn't, I mean, I think it has to be the, because of all the hype, but it has to be this appointment of the year for me because of so much hype, especially after his send off, what an ugly way, right? Like this great send off for this all-star game, all these things. And then this happens. What a bummer, right? Um, for a guy that's given a lot to the game, regardless of all the other stuff. And so that that was a bummer for me. Um, that that just wasn't a fun to start the year because all we were talking about for you know two or three months was that. And then, yeah. So that's for me, my choice. Yeah, it's it's my choice too, just because it really took the shine off what was otherwise a great season from everybody, and it really does kind of sour this this image of of Tony knowing the legend uh, that we that we do and then to to have this just hanging over it just has been uh, unpleasant but ron like you say you know it, this had the potential to really run and run throughout the season and thankfully it's kind of just moved out of the spotlight and we've actually been able to enjoy the rest of the season uh, Miko, what's your disappointment of the year? Well, I do agree with you guys that I think that Darko in general, and I would play go to both men's and women's teams, it was kind of like <laughs> at the beginning of the year, uh, the season, I was like, uh, I was driving willingly to see Darko play live. And like both men's and women's teams, but like after a month or so, I was like, why, why would I bother? I mean, it's like they, the spark had just gone completely out of it. And uh, okay, every now and then they picked up a win in like Dark Men, they, they just picked up some win that all of a sudden they were like a good team, but. To be honest, they were just uh, one or two guys were just uh, yeah keeping the whole team going, and they knew that the new project would start, which we have seen now that is is starting. Everybody knew that, and it was just like uh, let's get this thing out of the way, and uh, so that's like that's my disappointment. But it was, it was a long time coming. So yeah, I don't know if that's a disappointment. But okay, so I'm agreeing with you guys then. Yeah. So our winner of that category then is the Donico Honan Mansa difficulty. Let's call it that. So moving on then to our most exciting moment of the year, um, the women's game five in the final, Pori's win. For me, that's that's one of the highlights. Europa's uh, RBI champion on the final day of the regular season. That was an incredible watch the last few uh, games and certainly the last day. Yumius, it's surprise playoff return and then knocking Tarko out of, uh, of the uh, playoffs. And then Senior and Milius, it's uh, women's team, their strong season and surprise uh, moving on up through the table 
Um, Mikko, what's your most exciting moment of the year of those four? The World Cup hit to win the championship. No, I mean, just, uh, yeah, simple as that. But I I need to follow that up with just a bit of, like, <laughs> a bit of an anecdote from Robe uh, that he told about this uh, RBI championship that uh, at the final day of the regular season, they were having breakfast with Mikko Kosmanen. And uh, Kosmanen was asking that, how how far behind you, uh, Yuka are you, in uh, the like in that category? Uh, Ropa said that yeah, I'm that far. That even if I had ten, that will not be enough. And he hit ten, and it was enough. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I I I love that uh, story. It's um, it it was a great. Um, chase down uh, on the end of the season day, but I I do agree. I mean that game five. I mean it's it's iconic. It's one of those games to remember. Um, so I do agree that is my most exciting uh, moment of the year. Ron, your thoughts? Game five, final answer, Regis. But I'll add that um, Kempoli season, like first oh, time men's. getting a medal. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, men's getting a medal, like, like, what a cool. I don't have anything else to say other than that for the men's side. Like, I just think what a cool way to 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 do that. But on the women's side, yeah, hands down, like that's it is literally steered my memory. Um, game five on the road, ninth inning at Hall on the road, just done easily. So our next category then is our manager of the year for the men's team. Uh, we have uh, Tommy Niskanen for Vimpele, Mikko Korsmanen, who was a, if I can call him, caretaker manager for Sotkam this year, uh, if you can call him that. Um, Berdu Westersund for um, Patioki and uh, Petri Tuva for Kempele, who, Ron, as you just mentioned, grabbed their first medal in the men's um uh, history. So, Ron, do you have a view on best manager uh, of the year for the men's? Um, I think you, you you earn your money in the in the playoffs. Like that's when you earn your money. That's when you really show up. And, and it's how you can keep a locker room together. How you keep players focused on the task. They have to go beat a team that's really expensive, right? Like they had to figure that out, and they did. Every day they showed up, and and you know going through all this in series and so yeah to me you know we obviously vote for the regular season but for me since we're talking in the postseason i think that for sure for me he's manager of the year mm. the inter- yeah. that interview he did also the interview he did also on tv also an iconic memory of the year is the interview that happened <laughs> after they won that first it just was like with his dad what a cool just yeah. that was so so neat i should i said that the friends who clearly don't speak any finish and even they were like Oh my God, that's so emotional. They didn't even know. They knew what was going on just from seeing it, even though they didn't know what anybody was talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I I suppose for me, I really want to give some some credit to um, Berto Westerson for the way he's molding that Patioki side. You know, this is a team that were really on the ropes two years ago last year still kind of scrappy trying to find their way this year they went that step uh even further so i i like what he's doing on um for me i think he's manager of the year 
just because I like to be be a bit different with these things. Um, but Mikko, who's your who's your pick? I was thinking about this thing from the point of view that how it's actually voted on. So we are taking a look and like for the whole season. And uh, yeah, if I was talking about mic drops, uh, the guy like comes down from the front office and wins a championship and then like and by doing that makes a new record like of all time <laughs> championships and then he just like stops it and he gives away his fan and he's like he goes back to being the GM and he hands out the like like that dude is like he is the dude and so Mikko Kvosman for me is the like I raise my hands up, and uh, like every time that he speaks about the Zapolo, I listen. Mm. Well, we've got a bit of a tie, but I'm I'm swayed to go with Michael Gorsman, and simply for the reasons that you mentioned before, that Sotkomo side were not the best side this season, but they found ways to win, and they won well. Uh, going through that postseason and the, the the finals, the 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 small margins here and there, they they always came on top of them, and it's it's a credit to uh, Mikko Agorsman and and uh, the way he marshaled that team through the postseason. So I'm going to give it to him. Yeah, but that being said, I think that it's this season is actually closer than I can recall in recent memory. Because both of those arguments that you made, they are perfectly valid. And they, I mean, I would not be surprised if it's not Mikko Kosmanen. Westersund would deserve it, and Tuva would definitely deserve it as well. So it can go either way. So from the men's then to the women's manager of the year, um... We have uh, Mansa's uh, manager, Mantuma, um, Matthias Kitola for Kiritret, um, Jarko Pokkala for Pori. And I have to ex- explain my fourth pick here, Yossi um, Toika. Similar reason for, for um, it was with Patioki in the men's. This humming aside being recently promoted, they worked hard in key games they didn't have a lot of reinforcements that, that came from their, their Urkus Pessis season last year. So getting the best out of the material, if that's what it is as a measure of a manager, then I think Yossi Doika deserves a mention there. For me, I think Mikko, you mentioned before, no nobody can compare to Jarko Pokkala this season making all the way right the way through with this poor east side that it, when we looked at them on paper in our previews we weren't quite sure the direction they were taking but well with Buckle at the helm we know where they were going and we know where they've gone it was an incredible season and an even more incredible final series against Monza so even though uh, as I say I've got uh, Yossi Toika up there for me um, Jarko Buckle is is my pick for manager of the year uh, Miko? Just for the simple reason that uh, well, Bore would not be odds-on favourite to win the championship. 
And that actually that has been the case in all three of uh, championships that Bokela has won as a game manager. And like you said, that body organization is actually like all, like all teams and all sports considered in Finland. That is actually in in top ten. It is a top ten organization. But still, if we take a look at the last twenty five years, they have only won three championships. And before Pokela came there, the light, the latest one was in two thousand and three. So they were playing like a sparring partner to Kiritare for a good twenty years or so. Or almost like two decades, and then they won like the first championship like one year beforehand, quote unquote. But then like this year, uh, they were there or thereabouts. I I don't think there was a single like uh, huge uh, favorite like there was like get it that I'd have been for years. This year it was anybody's for the taking. And they could have easily lost it, but they didn't. And like I said, I think he played a big part in the <laughs> in that. And for that sheer reason, I don't think it's like I I appreciate the work that Yusitoka has uh, done in Amina enormously, and the whole like coaching crew and the people in the organization, because like you said, in that. It is all about like how do you use your resources and how you measure that potential. Like how do you get that potential out of the system? But still, I think that it's not like the championship winning manager is automatically the manager of the year. But I just thought that he was the best one. <laughs> so. That's our managers of the year. Moving on then to our pitchers of the year. For the men's, we have uh, Apo Kolmalainen from Sotkoman Yume, Temu Kinnanen from uh, Vempeli, Jani Lassila from Kempele, and Ville Valiaho from Johansson Myla. Um, Miko, your, your thoughts here? Yeah, this is a category where I insist that I'm not voting. <laughs> because my my vote would go to Petteri Alani, honestly. Yeah, well, I I I mean, they had a terrible season, but that's the problem. He, he is he is amazing. Like he, this guy will be he. Like, we saw it in the Italian game, and uh, we will see it in the. Next couple of seasons, and like I said, Apokomolainen did not even have the year that he wanted to have. Uh, Jani Lasela was very good, and he took a step up. And uh, Demo Kinnonen did not have a season of his standards; like he was not as good as last year, and he said that himself as well. Villevali Aha was very good. But still, I think that overall, uh, at the moment, I would like I would give my vote to uh, Alan. Mm. Like you say, Alan really made a step up this season. But for for me, I I think it's difficult to see 
how well he performed when the rest of the team did so kind of mediocre defensively. Um, for me, of, of of the nominees, I'd have to go with the Yanni Lassila because I do think he was a key reason for their um, their bronze medal this year. Um, Ron, your thoughts? I feel similarly. Um, I think that in a, in a field that's pretty muddled um, to me, you know, a lot of like, okay, a lot of good, not a lot of great uh, elite pitching. Um, I'd say that uh, a player of the year, I think that that's what I'd say as well. Yeah. That, that 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 driving that team the bronze the way that he did to me is a difference maker because if pitching were slightly better and Vimpley right like that series goes a little different in the final right yeah so yeah okay so our men's pitcher of the year is uh, Yanni Lasila but uh, we have a writing nomination uh, in terms of uh, Peter Allen and if I can put it that way. And I'm, I'm rightly so. Um, so, pitcher of the year for women's team, Mari Manson this is a nominee. She was doing well, but of course, then that injury ended her season. Venla Tanhoa from Mansa, uh, Thea Santohota from Senior Maliusit, and Minto Vente Noranta from uh, Pori. Um, I've Really liked seeing the progression for Venla Tanhoa over the last year and a half. Um, when she was with uh, Mailataret, you could see the potential. You could see how she was she was marshalling games. She went up another level um, with Mansa. And for me, she's the pitcher of the year, notwithstanding the fact that obviously Mansa didn't go on to win the championship. Um, Ron, what's your thoughts on pitcher of the year? There wasn't a better picture, period, full stop. Like, all people on Twitter are talking about that series was like, okay, yeah, they lost, but let's be real about how this would go if she were around. Like, that's and that's true. when you know you're a difference maker, when everybody's like, you know, oh, yeah, you beat me up, but my brother, when he comes back, watch out. And that's that was that series to me, and that shows you what, 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 a, what an MVP does when they're around, and, like, it's just a difference maker for a franchise that's used to difference makers. So to yeah. me, injury or not, that's my pick. Miko, your thoughts? Well, I think that the, the person who will actually get the award uh, was like Benla Tanhua was blocked before the final series to be the person. But, and I don't think that it's wrong considering the, like, the development that she's had, like you said again. Uh, I think the final series may just like just tip it up for you know Veteranda. She had her like difficult uh, situations, so to say, uh, throughout the season. But like, but yeah, if we, I think that it's a. Uh, the best way to describe it is that when I did a poll, uh, I think somewhere in July or so, about who is who are the best pitchers at that moment in men's and women's superpasses, and I asked about like uh, opinions from people inside superpasses that what do they think that this was like pre-Montenegrin injury, 
and three of those people just not knowing from of each other they said that all all of them but like first of all they placed monsin in first and two of them said that it's monsin in first and monsin in second and then we're going to talk about anyone else so that in in that regard i'm like i'm all the way with ron that when like when everyone's healthy it's like she is like <laughs> in an otani level so but yeah uh but it was a bummer that she got injured so i'm gonna give my vote to tanhua because i think that the veteranda thing was also there was a large part of like uh well which is a part of the game that uh the strategy that they created with Bokela. So that played a big part. So Tanhua it is. So Venla Tanhua takes our picture of the year for the women's super basis. Now the big awards, uh, the most valuable player, the MVP for the men's, Joka Pekka from Vimpoli, Ropo Korhonen from Sotkamo, Antti Korhonen from Kempele, and Temu Normio from Tahkom. Now, Temu seemed to be the only player, other than Alanen, who really showed a spark of something or energy with Tahkom this year. But for me, this season was all about Robo Gorhonen. Uh, so for me, he gets the MVP. Um, Miko, your thoughts? Oh, uh... I will translate his uh, Facebook <laughs> update uh, from two two weeks ago. Uh, he said that this year was like a Disney movie. Or oh, what do you think? Uh, winning the Haleasem, winning their uh, internal Kara Trophy, which is like being the physically like most fit guy in the <laughs> in the team. First one in the history to get. Uh, 2000 RBIs, uh, the best uh, man of the match in Italiancy, uh, to be the best all time batting king in regular season, uh, regular season, yeah, uh, to be the RBI king this year, to be the golden helmet player this year by winning the first, like, most valuable player of the game. Uh, those nominations, uh, winning the RBI title in the playoffs, being the MVP of the playoffs, and being the first person to hit the 13th championship ever. So <laughs> I think that, it, yeah, if you come up with that, it's like, yeah, that's a pretty <laughs> solid case for me. Absolutely. So, um, Ron, do you have anything to add to that? How could I? I mean, the man, the man gave his own case for his MVP. He's like, yo, it's, he said you spell my name. This, I don't want you to mess up the placard when you write it. So I want you to want to spell it out for you so you know that way you don't mess up. Because I know you all might get confused about how to spell my name. And I just want you to be able to do that. Yeah. So don't yeah. worry. I get it. <laughs> what a season. Um, you know, I love, you know, talking about baseball a little bit. I love the parallel of like, you know, everything doesn't translate, but RBIs translate. Like RBIs translate, 
and so to have such a dominant season, like 99 RBI, you know, in 28 games, <laughs> just makes sense of that, right? And it was, of course, a battle to the end, but just makes sense of that, like that number, 99, sorry, 99 RBI in 28 games, like just doesn't, it doesn't compute the absurdity of that, you know, down there 300 hits, like just a really, really just a strong, 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 strong season. Um, and, and obviously to win a title on top of it, there's no discussion to me. No discussion. There's no there's no rivalry when you talk about stuff like that. Um, I recognize real in a heartbeat. Yeah. So Ropa walks away with our MVP of the season to add to his Facebook post, perhaps. Um, so MVP, <laughs> MVP from the uh, women's uh, season. So we had Aino um, Kaiser Mantere from Senion Mariusit, um, Beldonen from Pori, um, Saga Angelia Rauda Soya from Mansa, Eva Maki Maukola from Kiritret. Um, Miko, Rauda Soya for me from Mansa, she just seemed to be everywhere. <laughs> and that the it's in, in the final series as well. I, an incredible season from her. I for me she probably tips it. Uh, what's what's your thoughts? I mean, this is a two horse race because uh, Dia Beltanen is is like she is a player that I admire enormously, and she's not even like. She's in her like late teens, so it's like I, I think she's nineteen or twenty at the time, and like she plays a big role. And I think that Emilia Lina would also make a strong case in this category, uh, definitely. Even like especially when we go later on in the year, but <laughs> I just cannot get my wrong head around the fact that. And when we when we talk about Saga Angelia Raudasoya, we're talking about a person who is taking this game to like to a whole other level. Like Birbihuka did that and she was also the like she was just blowing teams away and like dominating teams in games in playoffs, but like Raudasoya is so physical, so fast, so strong that it's like it's just ridiculous. I mean, just uh, just to give you uh, just to give you a hint of what I'm <laughs> trying to say here is that when I was a coach in women's super passes and we run this like say thirty meter test, like you start. You did that kind of a thing that they do on NFL Combine and stuff like that. And you would say that if somebody reaches a time below, let's say, 4.3 seconds, that's very fast. And if somebody got close to 4.2, that was like, wow, that's like, she's she's dominating. And if somebody got like hookah or somebody else got below that, it was like, there's no way we're getting... Like, we might as well give her a walk to third base if she ever gets to first. Like, it's impossible to make an out of her to second or third base. 
and up comes Rada Soya, and she hits like 394. And that's like, that's like unfair. Like, it, unheard of. It's so just ridiculous that like, we need to, we need to change some rules because of you in the near future. And she's showing those signs already. She's the only professional in the game and she's 20. So, Rada Soya for me. Ron, your thoughts? You know, I don't have a consensus this year. It's hard for me because I feel like I feel like there's so many different players that, that stood out to me at different times. I think Rada Soya yeah. was, was on a team full of, on a team that, you know, like a team with Virgo Uka, right? Like on a team full of stars, right? To stand out in that lineup is a big deal. To be that young. And to be somebody that they can rely on to be the you know to be somebody like that that's a heck of a player right they better hold on to her is all i gotta say about that because you know she could be like ripping go somewhere else and you know she'll be holding up the trophy she'll finally win one <laughs> just, just not with them um so i i'm actually gonna abstain i don't think i have a vote i just i feel like you know like I can make a lot of different cases because the season to me felt like it was, there were several story arcs of this season. You have the beginning, kind of the middle, you have this sort of end part, the playoffs. Yeah. And to me, the playoffs really mar my ability to like judge this and evaluate this well, yeah. because it was so, because it was such an open, this is the most open year in the women's paces, super paces I've seen in years since I, we've been talking. Like, you know, in the past, when you go back to our old audios from a couple of years ago, it's always that top four, that top three, that who's going to play cure direct. Like, and now, you know, it's not the men's race where there's four or five teams, as you can talk about, but there are solid core teams. And then those middle tier teams that are a player or two away. So it makes things more interesting. Um, and so I think that, and then you and you just don't know who's, a, that, that, there's not that definitive Sakamo Bimpoli, Mansa thing, you've Mansa and then whoever else. So to me, it's hard to say, like, I think Ronasoya had an amazing season. So I think ultimately that, that for me, it's hard, it's hard for me to pick because, I mean, I think, Amelia Itavalo's like season, like, no, it wasn't like one thing, but I think the story to me, I'm like an MVP for me is somebody that, that brings it all together. It's not just stats. It's what would this team be like if you're not here? And to me, I think when you say MVP on a team that won two out of three titles in a year where she's done to me, again, especially at that last game, I'm like, that's my MVP just, but to me, I'm, I'm, I'm pulled by the story as opposed to like, you know, maybe the full yeah. body of work. So, so that, that's, it's, that's, that's my vote. So it's unorthodox, but there's always one unorthodox vote in an MVP vote. And I'm that guy this year where I picked the case. And you're like, what, really? All these other people you passed up who hit home runs and had great RBIs and you picked this person, but that, that's, that's where my brain goes. But so many, so many good cases this year, I think. Siri Escola yeah. had an, an awesome year too. That's a crazy lineup. Um, I'm scared about the next year. What are they going to do to Finally win, finally win one of these. <laughs> Watch out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think Raul de Soya just pips it um, on that basis. But, Ron, you're quite right. You know, there was, there was so many highlights from the women's season this year. So many different characters, so many different players that, that each deserve their own mention. And I, I love the way you, you, you've just gone through some of them there. Um. It's been an incredible season, and I'm sad to see it end. Um, but we won't have to wait too long, as I mentioned at the top of the show, because we've got some winter uh, paces coming up um, before we then 
uh, in the new year will be coming back and doing our previews once again. Um, and I'll try and do the same as what we did this year and make our previews before the season actually starts. So <laughs> who knows? But um, I want to give a big thank you to everybody who has listened to this podcast this year. Um, it's you that we make this for. We we hope that you've enjoyed it. I want to say a big thank you as well to all of the players, the managers, um, that I've interviewed this year. It's been incredible to speak to you and gain some insights into the game. So thank you very much for giving up your time. And of course, I want to say a big thank you to my co-hosts, Ron Bronson. Thank you so much. Uh, sorry, I, I know I've been mostly MIA this season, but I appreciate you all. It's always fun to talk about the game on here or even when we're talking in our DMs and so forth. And I also want to give a bonus shout out to, as a person over the pond, talking to all the folks who come on this show, like Ian, you too. Like you've done such a great job growing this platform over the last couple yeah. of years. You know, being so devoted to that blog and like, like you know, you may, you may feel like no one's paying attention, but you've seen hopefully over the last couple of years, how much your impact folks are willing to talk to you now. And we're getting people who are like playing the games and they're coming to be on the show. And to those folks who, who might be listening, who watch this, thank you from the English language fans, because I know you may not know that we're out here because you only see me and Ian coming to Finland all the time. <laughs> Pause. Yep. And I promise you that there are there are hundreds. Of um, I often will. I know Ian probably gets emails too. We get emails from people all over the world who are watching the games, who want to learn more, who will see a highlight and be curious. So all the work that you all, people in the Patreon community, are doing to help grow this game, you know, slowly but surely outside of Finland, it's definitely working because I'm telling you. Once this, this has grown a lot and it's been really fun, but a lot of that is thank you, Ian, for being so dedicated to this platform. Because seriously, I know you don't want to give yourself credit, but I have to do it uh, because it really has helped a lot. And I seriously, I noticed it because people bring it up to me like folks I never thought would. So, thank you, and thank you to all our folks for supporting us. Well, thanks, Ron. And of course, none of this would be possible either without our resident coach and expert on all things Pespolo to give us that insight. Um, Mikko, thank you so much. It's been an incredible year. It has, but I, I still need to like the, the things that Ron said. I think that they 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 are the most important thing, uh, like that we take out of this. Because okay, there's the game in this. It's like we're seeing this exciting development in the games and we love talking about that and we watch the games and so forth. But it's it's funny to think that like well, we started this uh, during the pandemic and uh, just, just out of the blue and just a couple of random guys started to do this. And uh, it has like slowly but surely like, started to grow and myself i'm i've been very impressed by the fact that the players and even the game managers they they find the, like the strength and the courage in themselves like they they need to be international in some ways anyway and uh, we know that as a small country we need to at least handle some other language to be able to like to go places and to be able to live in this world that we're in. But that the fact that 
you do get these people to interviews and they they actually come and they speak and they 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 express their like uh, opinions about the game in English that is like that is super fascinating to me because that's and of course they can do it on a different level in Finnish but the fact that they do it in English it's like it's way bigger than I would ever have thought that it is so I'm just I'm so glad that this exists and I completely like 100% echo Ron's words that it is completely up to you Ian that you have made this possible and uh, yeah I'm just uh, I just want to keep this thing going when there's something to talk about and uh, always a pleasure to catch up with you guys like this absolutely well thank you very much Miko so that's it for another year another season Uh, so thank you very much for listening I hope you've enjoyed it Um, please do follow or subscribe to the podcast heck even leave us a review we would love to hear from you Um, I'm going to have my reviews of the season out soon on the um, on the blog so you can catch those at superpacesroundup.wordpress.com. You can also follow me on Twitter and on Facebook at superpacesr. And occasionally, from time to time, you will also see me writing for Hamina's uh, website as well. But from me, Ian Alba, we'll see you next year. Hidden far away